Hey, buddy. What's happening? How are you? We'll talk about fasting. Fasting? <laughs> I fast. Okay. Daily. Daily. I do, uh, I do you f- wait, wait. You fast daily. Fast daily. Okay. Tell me more. Intermittent. Okay. Fast. I thought fasting was a not a daily activity. Could be. Well, it can be. Inter- intermittently, it can be. Okay. Oh, well, some people fast so, for days so at a time. How does this work? Uh, I do a 16-8, so I stop eating by 8 at night. And then I don't eat again until noon or one. What does that do for oh, you? Oh, 16, 16 hours not eating. Uh-huh. Eight hours eating in the day. It's my mm-hmm. eating window. How does that How does that work for you? What does it do? For me, man, I've had increased energy, mm. increased mental clarity. Yeah. There's some reasons for that. So my diet and these things called ketones, which we'll probably talk about later. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, just it's, it's. I figured it would be hurting. It would hurt my energy, and it would hurt my clarity. But it's really peaked it. And like now, I don't, uh, I don't move from meal to meal. Mm-hmm. I don't worry about my meal so much. It's been kind of liberating. How, how do you get hungry? Yeah, I get hungry. Huh, and you just power through it. Uh, oh, you mean during the fasting window? Yeah. Typically, no. If if I'm really hungry, I listen to my body. So mm-hmm. if I'm really hungry, I just eat. Interesting. Like, there's not a rule like you can't eat. You're yeah, in yeah, your yeah, fasting yeah. window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if yeah, if my body says eat, I eat. Huh. Do you drink water during that window? Yes. Good. I drink water, apple cider vinegar, mm. um, tea. I would drink tea, and uh, what else? Mm. Yeah, that's pretty much it's all. Fascinating. I have. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. The things Rodney does that Keith won't try. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we should rename this section. <laughs> Welcome to, or welcome back to, More in Common. This is our social experiment. See, everyone has a story that can help us learn from one another. And we bring people into this safe space that we have learned to create so we can learn about their stories and get into difficult topics that challenge us in conversation and ultimately how we think. And we have a lot of these conversations and we're seeing a lot of similar threads through all of them. So what we're doing is breaking down these conversations to create a set of tools and a map that will help you become a conversation boss so that you can be a catalyst for conversation in your day-to-day life. And, of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't say, go to our website, www.moreincommonpod.com. It's the gateway to all things More in Common. Our socials, our blogs, our podcasts, our t-shirts, you name it. So, go check it out. Now, going back an episode, I have to, I have to say, you know, last time we had Ali Lucchetti. Rodney, what would you take away from that? My dear friend Ali from college. It was, um, I, learned, oh, I took a lot away. I mean, I learned a lot about her that I didn't know. I learned a lot about her that I didn't know from my, I knew her for like three or four years in college and um, had no clue she struggled with anxiety or yeah, any any of that. Like uh, the anxiety around being around people. And I mean, that's the whole time that I knew her, that's what we were doing. We were, doing, we were dancing and hip-hop dancing in college and um here's her willingness to share that and like share the 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 process he's gone through and trying to help other people 
and and I think I don't think sharing the story is for everybody. Um, I think sharing your story with somebody is important, but like I don't think sharing the story like she's doing it is for everybody. But I'm it's cool that she's doing it, and it's good that people are doing it because it helps remove the stigma around mental illness, mental health in general, and people can connect. I mean, I've I've watched comments on people talking about her episode and a lot of people are like thank you like i feel the same way or like oh like there's just like a sigh of relief from people so big ups big ups to ali for sharing and i i really um really appreciate it yeah what about you no i think mine is more about how she shares like she does it in such a way that really at least for me explains it um, she, I mean, she's been processing and managing this for a really long time. And I think she's really, really built, a an explanation of what the feeling feels like. She does mm-hmm. it with analogy and she just simplifies it. So, you know, if you've never experienced anxiety before, you know, it, she does a great job of, of helping frame it, at least for her, what it feels like. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, agree, you know, and, and she's, you know, I just love that she's explored so much of this um, in an effort. Like you said, sharing is not for everybody, but the way she shares it is really, I think, helpful to other people and and creating that that shared experience ecosystem and talk yeah. about breaking down stigma, right? I think she does a great yeah. job with it. I mean, I I agree with that. Like anxiety, I've talked about it a couple times. Yeah. Like I don't. I don't feel it, and so I don't really understand it. But the way she explained, actually, did us. We did a social post earlier this week that was a snippet of her explaining anxiety to fear of flying, and um, I think that'll probably resonate for a lot of people that maybe don't understand anxiety. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's good stuff. It was a great episode. Yeah, so how about how about how about today? Who who do we got? Who do we got rolling with us today? Nick Jones Jr. Don't forget, don't the, forget junior. the junior. Don't forget the junior. Don't. Don't forget the baby. Don't forget the junior, because if you search Nick Jones, that's not who we're talking to or about. Nick is a multi-hyphenated African-American military veteran. He writes both dramatic character-driven sci-fi action, and he's also a fantastic comedy writer who staffed on the final season of Hulu's Casual. Nick was accepted into the highly esteemed Sundance Episodic Lab for his pilot, Jonesen. Nick wrote and directed award-winning short film, Cold Choices, which starred Neil Brown Jr., after which, he was the military advisor for Shia LaBeouf and Gary Oldman in the psychological thriller Man Down. Nick recently signed a feature deal with Paramount. He was, he was later served as a showrunner for the upcoming Japanese anime Netflix series Yasuke, based on the first black samurai starring Lakeith Stanfield. Nick moved to Los Angeles after his final tour in the Marine Corps during which he served our country for over a decade with honors. Keith, what do we talk about with Mr. Jones Jr.? A lot of stuff. I mean, you know, you talk about that multi-hyphenated African-American in his bio. Like, he's done a lot of things, you know, with with uh, serving in the military, which we talk about, um, his experience there, uh, growing up in Alabama, and, you know, just that transition. Oh, and his personal relationship that he established for a few weeks with uh, Barack Obama. Um, and then we talk, you know, which he talks about casually, which he does talk about casually. Um, and it's a really interesting part of the conversation. So 
Yeah, I mean, casually as if it's not a bi- as it as if it's not a big deal. Yeah, casually. Totally. Um, yeah. So we talk about a lot of stuff, and you know, I'm trying not to call this out as much because we are explicit. Um, but at the end of the day, not all our episodes have a lot of profanity. This one has a fair amount more than than usual. So just an FYI. Um, but you know, as we head into this conversation, Ronnie, what are some of your observations? My observation is that a story is never over, which is kind of fitting because Nick is a writer. But if you listen to his story and his progression from college to military to now writing, there are a lot of moments where he could have just straight up given up and just not done anything. And when we get to the um, conversation that he had with um, former President Obama, President Obama, um, I guess it was President-elect Obama at the time, he said some things to, or he said something to uh, Nick that was just, it kind of hyphenates that point. It kind of put an exclamation point on it. And it's like, the story's not over. Keep going. And that's my observation. What about you? You have any tips for us? Yeah. So I think one is, we talked about this recently on Facebook Live, is check in. There's a moment in uh, in the conversation where, you know, I'm asking some some questions to get more, and you know, you can you can sense Nick pause. He does a great job of this. He's not sure if he's gonna how much more he's gonna tell on this, and I'm not sure how much more I should push on it. And you know, there's there's that momentary internal reflection sometimes that's always needed in a conversation that just helps you move the conversation forward without making someone super uncomfortable. And um, you know, it's when we're talking about this, his military experience. This is when he. When he's talking about his, um, was it the leader? Yeah. The group leader? Yeah. So, yeah. you know. get into like a little fight. Yeah. It's just a, it's a demonstration of, of what that means when you're actually having a conversation. And sometimes you just need to check in with yourself to make sure that, hey, let's how are we going to make sure this goes forward effectively, even if we don't touch on it. So that's the one thing I wanted to mention today. Um, otherwise, enjoy the show. Like, uh, I would say, for example, you know, places that are being, like, gentrified and stuff and, you know, white people are moving in. And if you're, like, black trying to move in, you know, I've, I've been I've been pushed out or not pushed out, but, like, blocked from getting into a home that, you know, a white person bought and flipped because they were trying to fill it with a white person. And so it's just like, yo, like, all right, I like this place. Da, 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 da. For no reason. It's just like they try to find whatever reason to disqualify you. Then they don't just, and then you have all your shit together. You're not disqualified, but it's just like, you know. And then you got the realtor coming back to you, like, well, you know, they just uh, they weren't comfortable with, you know, whatever. But you know, can can you put down like an absurd amount of money, right? It's just like, can you can, can you put? So this, they literally asked me if I could put down the the entire first year. I'm like, what the like? Who puts down the entire first year? Like, what are you talking? No, like, why? with nick jones nick how are you i'm good i'm good how you doing doing well thanks for joining us off the top well actually you know what i gotta i gotta stay inside nick jones jr because there's another nick jones and that's right i gotta separate myself because you know he's got some bad stuff out nick jones jr 
Nick yeah. Jones Jr. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You definitely have to run that, that search with the junior at the end. Yeah. The so my question off the top, I, I happen to know that you're a Marine. Actually, looking at you right now, you're wearing a USMC hat, and yeah. I see a flag yeah. behind you. So my first question, I wanted to ask you this when I first met you, but I didn't have time. How do you feel about, like, the, the anthem protests? Support. Like, what is that? What's that? I support it. You support it? 100%. What? Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Go keep going. <laughs> no, 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 no. You say you support it. So is there is there any any inner conflict or strife? I mean, you're a proud Marine. I, I, I'm I'm picking up that you're a proud Marine because I'm watching you right now. But, like, what is, <clears throat> is it? Is it just that, that cut and dry for you? You support it? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a black man first, you know. Like, I love the core, but uh, it, people tend to forget that the the guy who told Kaepernick to kneel was an army ranger. Yep. And so, you know, he was like, yo, this is what you can do that doesn't show disrespect or anything to the troops. You mm-hmm. know, just take a knee, which is something that we do a lot. For fallen soldiers. Yeah, mm-hmm. fallen, for, uh, fallen comrades and stuff. So, um, for me, I, you know, there's there's no... There's no conflict of, of interest or anything, like you know, because I, I understand the things that they're that they are um, protesting because I've lived it, I continue to live it, and um, there needs to be some change. How Is do it, you feel about the conflict associated with the protest itself? It's it's political. It, it's all it is is you know political noise, and you know I hate when. You know, stuff like that kind of gets, you know, blown out of proportion for someone's political agenda. Mm. So I just I wanted to ask that just because it was it was t- like when I walked in, I was like, oh, this is a black Marine. So I got to ask him. I, I just I, gotta I, ask. I, I think it's, you know, it's <laughs> but it's one of those things like, you know, you I, a lot of times when you're on social media, in my personal experience, that is, you see people who have had who who are on the other side of that position around the protest themselves. They either didn't serve um, or they just have a family member that serves, right? Like, so it's not, it's not a personal experience. It's, it's a, some associated experience. And then you see those, you know, especially, you know, black men who are against it used for that opinion and like i just i personally get a little tired of the argument on the protests like okay you like it or you don't like it that's fine but can we talk about what they're protesting and actually what really matters right like yeah to your point yeah about politicizing it and being a black man first you know it 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 bothers me it bothers me when um the cops and the and the state troopers can can protect you know a kkk rally or when those cats are like, you know, storming somebody's Capitol Hill or, or you know, or whatever. And but yet it's, everyone's like outcrying when a black man takes a knee on a football field. Mm. Like how, how, how does that work? You know, like and, and, and especially when it comes to, you know, being a Marine and being in the service and stuff. It's just, you know, we're supposed to be fighting for, you know, all of these rights and freedoms of speech and things like that. So, all right, if, if, if I'm fighting for, you know, you know, was it Bill Duke? That's his name. If, if I'm fighting for, like, fucking David, oh, David Duke. Dave, David Duke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, I'm, if I'm fighting for David Duke's ass to, to fucking say what he wants to say, then 
then fuck yeah, that means I'm fighting for, you know, Kaepernick to, to be able to take a knee, you know, and I'm not fighting for fucking David Duke. Like, what I, might, kind of I think from now on, I'm calling him Bill Duke, though. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Predator is my favorite movie. So, like, you know, Bill Duke is just like the first Duke that comes to my name. Um, sorry. Sorry, Bill Duke. Uh, you know, that's a legend right there. Uh, but yeah, man. So, it, you know, it just bothers me when, like, nobody has anything to say when, you know, you know, these these quote unquote white nationalists, which is just a new fucking way of them trying to rebrand the whole KKK. Like, oh, it is. Shit. Yeah. yeah. And. You know, it, it's okay for, for them to kind of, like, have their rallies and shit and all this other stuff. And then, you know, you got motherfuckers out here talking about some, oh, you know, they were they were bad people on both sides. And I'm like, what what does that even mean, man? So, yeah, I'm going to get on the I tangent. Think, <laughs> no, I, I think that's, I mean, it's a point I hadn't heard before. The idea of, I mean, I'm fighting for the American freedom. And that happens to encompass people who disrespect the flag by wearing it as underwear i don't know if you wear it as underwear but in the constitution <laughs> it's technically defaming the flag right the flag, the flag um, you know i'm i'm you know these you're still fighting for the likes of david duke even though you're not because you know they're americans so why is why is there so much outcry over a man who kneels for equal rights instead of outcry over a man who fights for for subjugation and well, inequality right that's the, that's the yeah. heart of it though it's like because because the citizenship is not equal i want to know a little bit about nick jones jr and where he grew up man uh i was born in new jersey uh Voorhees, new jersey which is like south Voorhees, Voorhees, yeah like jason Voorhees. jason Voorhees, okay yeah camden county uh it's right across from philly um was there for about uh and from there, we moved to like Newark and Somerville. So I was in Jersey for about six years. And then my dad moved us all back to Alabama, where he grew up at. And I was in Bama from, you know, six to uh, 19. And until uh, so I joined the Marine Corps. Where, where in Bama? Uh, when we first got there, we were in a little small town called Shorter, uh, which is like right on the outskirts of Tuskegee. Um, and then... I think when I was like 12, we moved to Montgomery, yeah. which is the you know central, that's the state capital. I was so. just in just in Montgomery a few months ago. Went over to the to the museum. Museum, yeah, yeah. yeah they had the um, that's when they had like the, the grand opening, right? Yeah, I went after the grand opening, and it okay. turns out there the uh, the the lynching exhibit. Um, <laughs> is closed on Tuesdays and I was there on a Tuesday. Uh, uh but you can see it from the street and you can you still get you still get it. Like yeah. It, yeah. it's it's still one of those things. I went there with a a UK friend of mine of ours actually and mm -hmm. he, he like even from the UK it's like you explained to him what this was and yeah. It was it was a moment, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah and um so yeah, it was there you know, went to, you know, middle school, jun uh, junior high, high school in, in Montgomery. And then uh, we did two years at uh, UAB, um, played played uh, football at UAB in Birmingham. What, uh, you what said, we... so like 19, then Marine, do you have a military family? Um, I mean, I, it's, it's like peppered in. So kind of peppered in. My, my, my dad's dad, he was in the Army, served in World War II. 
my uh, and my dad's uncle was, um, which I'm very proud of. He was one of the Montford Point Marines, um, so he was a part of the batch of first Black Marines that were um, brought into the Marine Corps when they first, uh, you know, um, desegregated the Marine Corps. Mm. And um, <clears throat> so, that was, so that's my great uncle. Um, and so there's my, some legacy there. Yeah, some legacy there. Um, my my mom's dad, he was in the Air Force and uh, he served during, uh, during the Korean conflict. And uh, my mom, she was in the Army Reserves for a little bit. Um, and I got a cousin who joined the, uh, the Air National Guard. But yeah, nothing, nothing like, you know, like concrete, but we, I got, we got a few players here. Still there. a lot, a lot that's, more that's than a, I have. Yeah, that's a lot. I got like grandparents. Yeah, a lot more than I have. Now, what was it like for you growing up in Alabama? Oh man, it was lots of mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> mosquitoes love my black behind. Man, like you I know, too. my my folks used to joke because you know I was I was like the you know the Yankee kid that came down, so they was like, oh, you got that sweet blood, you know, you got that Jersey blood, that's why they keep biting you. Um, but yeah, you know, it was it was cool. You know, when we first got there, uh, I lived with um, we lived with our with our grandparents. Um, my dad's, my dad's folks. And then, you know, we finally was able to get on our feet. Um, my dad, he, uh, was a logger. So he cut down trees. And so most of my summers until <clears throat> maybe like high school, I, I was spent, um, you know, in, in, in the woods with my dad cutting trees down. That was like my summer job. So, um, it was very blue collar, very, very, uh, just like, you know, grindy grindy life you know mm. obviously he was he was uh you know he was he was a hard worker so i i kind of get a lot of my you know inspiration from him just knowing how much he you know did and sacrificed to kind of you know help me have a good education and uh and get me out of it so it's uh when you ask that question keith like i can't i have family in bama i've been in bama a lot in my life every time i hear somebody talk about growing up in alabama the first thing my head goes to is like racism. How racist was your experience growing up there? Like oh. that's the first thing my head, and like and I've never even actually other than seeing Confederate flags on people's trucks, I've never had a personal racist experience when I visited. Mm. But it's still the first thing that comes up in my head. But it's one of those funny things of you know associated with gaining personal experience versus understanding the national narrative of wherever you may be because i i do the same thing and your first answer was mosquitoes right like yeah. it's not and then at no point <laughs> hateful did you tell us and then it's your dad being a logger like your experience regardless of what happened like that's that's your life but then you know i've seen i've gone to california you know and seen m Plenty mm -hmm. of Confederate flags there, but we don't think yeah. of California that way or the same way in our prior episodes when we've talked about Boston, like Boston's the Northeast, but Boston's one of the most racist places, you know, that, that have existed, especially over the last hundred years. So it's funny as, you know, we try to break down a lot of these stereotypes because I think there's a demographic stereotype that we have, a regional stereotype that we have. And I think I, mean, I, I love the answer, man. I'm sure it wasn't easy all the time. Oh, but. I mean, and look, and, and that racism, I mean, it exists. And I mean, by no means am I saying that I did not have, you nope. know, experiences of racism. Um, I just, you know, it's, 
I, I tend to kind of like focus in on on the family aspect and you know the good times and stuff. But no, I mean, I, I would say when you're when you're around people that you know, because like every everyone isn't racist, so it's not like you know you're coming back there and it's like you know 1920s Alabama and it's just mm-hmm. like oh, you know. But um, but it, there's pockets of it to where it's like if you're not necessarily like the wrong part of town, but you know if you're growing up in an area white people there that know you in the area and they grow up around black people, things like that. Like everybody's cool. Everybody's fine. Um, but there are times when it's just like, you know, you need to run across some cats that, you know, they just live off to themselves somewhere and either they're not, you know, I, I would just say that you, you feel the tension at certain times with certain people, mm. but it's, it's not everybody. And I've had like some, some moments I remember when I was a kid, uh, I was probably like, 12 13 or something like that but so the rule was i had to be home before the before the street lights came on mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and one, one, one night i was running late and because you know we was out playing basketball and stuff uh you know we had to you know, roll the roll the the gold back into the driveway and everything and, and, and the kid uh, sean swayze we used to play at his house uh he lived in a cul-de-sac but um but yeah so i was riding back and um there's this like this because a lot of uh, a lot of the pickup trucks uh, in bama and in the south so they go mud and so like they raise them up and stuff. So like this big ass like it was like a Ford F one fifty or something like that, um, kind of like was barreling down the road, and then they drove right past me, like going the same direction that I was going. And so um, you know I didn't see it when it, when they were doing it, but they had a box of chicken like like you know that they had already eaten and stuff, and they just threw it out the window and they said get out the neighborhood nigger, and fucking like threw the box of chicken at me and just you know barreled down the road laughing and shit. So I mean that's that's probably you know, one of my more like um, memories that kind of come back of just like, you know, blatant racism. And, you know, and you get the stuff of like, you know, whether it's like security, like mall cops and, and, um, you know, police officers here and there. I think there's like a couple of state troopers that kind of ran across where it's just like, okay, you just stopped me because I'm black. Um, but but how, yeah, do you, so. how do you explain? So my, my wife, my wife is white, and one time we were talking about stuff like that between me and my brother and little things. Where we were like, I'm pretty sure that happened because I was black. And she was like, how do you know? And like, I, at that, in that moment, I can't, I don't know, I don't have the words to articulate it. But it's like, yeah. I, I know that that's why that just happened. Do you have a way to articulate it? Uh, I mean, if they, if that, that, that's the word right there. It's like, if they can't articulate to you, you know, uh, a, a reason... So why oh, they yeah, yeah, yeah. why they're pulling you over? It's like, hey, you know, you know, why'd you pull me over, officer? You know, normally it's like, oh, you were speeding, or you ran, or you rolled through this stop sign, or you know, whatever the case may be. If they don't answer that question, you know, at a certain point, you're still being respectful and everything, and they have nothing to do but they just like they're literally just like checking everything to see if they can find a problem. That's when you know it's you know to you know easy because it's just like plenty of times where you know I'm pulled over, they won't tell me what they pulled me over for. Or, you know, or it's like mm. clearly a lie where it's just like, no, I stopped at the stop sign. I wasn't speeding, whatever the case Tail lights busted out, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, or, or I think I think they were like, oh, you didn't use a turn signal. I was like, no, yeah, I did. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I got this loud ass turn signal. Like, you know, like I used a turn signal. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And even now it's just like, you know. Like, uh, I would say, for example, you know, places that are being like gentrified and stuff and, you know, white people are moving in. And if you're like black trying to move in, 
you know, I've I've been I've been pushed out or not pushed out, but like blocked from getting into a home that, you know, a white person bought and flipped because they were trying to fill it with a white person. And so it's just like, yo, like, all right, I like this place. Da, 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 da. For no reason. It's just like they try to find whatever reason to disqualify you. Then they don't. This, and then you have it, all your shit together. You're not disqualified. But it's just like, eh, you know, and then you got the realtor coming back to you like, well, you know, they just uh, they weren't comfortable with, you know, whatever but you know can you can you put down like an absurd amount of money right it's just like can you can, can you put it, it, so this is they literally asked me if i could put down the the entire first year i'm like what the like who puts down the entire first year like what are you talking no like why <laughs> where, where where was that uh it's uh um damn what, what was it that? in um, california oh yeah no it was in california Oh, that's um, like a that's like a down payment all, on a on a house. on a home. Um, <laughs> it, it was uh, was it Baldwin Hills or Windsor Hills? View Park? No, my bad. It was View Park. We were trying to uh, get a spot in View Park, man, and it was just like, and like literally, I I drove back by the crib, you know, a couple weeks later, white family in there already moved mm-hmm. in, chilling, mm-hmm. putting up the curtains. I was like, <laughs> putting mother. up the curtains. Putting up the curtains, motherfuckers. Man. So, um, yeah. well, so you went. So, so did you choose to go into the Marine Corps because your family, or like, uh, was it, there it, a personal choice? It it was a personal choice. Uh, it was a couple different factors. Um, so I had this girlfriend that I was skipping class and skipping practice to go see. She went to uh, U of A, uh, University of Alabama. My grades weren't good. And, I was just kind of like losing that, that, you know, that football spirit and stuff. So, um, and so I was like on the verge of like being kicked out of school. I didn't want to go back home to Montgomery because I was just kind of like, man, like if I go back here, then, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to seem like a failure because I was like, oh shit, like I'm filling out of school. I'm going to go back home. Everybody's going to know like, oh, why are you back here? Like, oh, you didn't make it. And, and the thing, and the biggest thing was my dad, he, he wanted me to go to a junior college first before going to, you know, like a, like a four-year school that, that UAB was. And the reason why, cause he was just like, you know, go to a, go to, a, uh, go to like a junior college first, get your grades, you know, kind of like transition into it, then go to the four-year college, you know, get your degree, you know, get the, get the bachelor's. And I was like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So when I was like failing out, I was like, fuck man, like, I can't, <laughs> I can't, right. I, done <laughs> yeah, that I can't tell him that. Yeah. I'm like, I can't go back. So, uh, <laughs> I signed up, you know, so my, 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 uh, girl, my girlfriend at the time, she had just joined the army that summer prior. And I was just like, man, you know what? I'm gonna join the military, but I got to do something harder than you. Uh, <laughs> it was like a little competition with her. Cause she, I remember when she came back, she was talking about all of this, like, you know, my battle buddy, this and my battle buddy that I'm just like, man, what? Huh? And then it was just like, you know, and, and you know, we're doing all of this training and i got to shoot this i was like all right like that doesn't sound too that sounds kind of fluffy i'm, I'm gonna go i'm gonna go a little bit harder than that um, not calling the army fluffy just want to make that you know make that clear you know, it's just, just the way that, your, your perception before you experience were, yeah, 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 yeah. my perception from her when she came yeah. from my from my ex who when she came back it was just kind of like eh, so you know but uh so yes yeah, so i joined joined the marines and uh, i remember when i first went into the to the uh, recruiting office they kind of um they uh they didn't believe me because they're just like okay you know it's hard for them enough to like try and find like you know uh eligible applicants to kind of like get in and stuff and so i was just like no like i'm here like 
let's do it. And so, and I was like too adamant about like coming in that they, they kind of didn't believe me. So like the first recruiter I, I talked to, he like passed me off to like one of the junior recruiters. Cause he was just like, yeah, this kid's not for real. And then, <laughs> but, uh, but then they found out like, Oh shit, like he is for real. You know? Cause they're like, Oh, what are you doing? Like you play college football and all those shit. Like, you know, same for you. Um, so I was like, nah, like, I'm, I'm here to, I'm here to stay. And, uh, you know, shipped out and my dad was pissed. I remember I told him, uh, that I signed up, he punched me in the chest. Um, yeah, really? But he punched he punched me in the chest because I I I got smart with him though because he was because mm-hmm. um, he had he had like his thing against like you know you know Uncle Sam and stuff like that. So and, and just growing up without civil rights, so like he has like his own you know stench towards it all. And um, I remember we were coming back from church, and um, I told him I was just like, yeah, you know, like I, I'm. I'm you know, I think about like joining the military and uh, joining the Marine Corps, and he went on this whole tangent about like you're playing Russian roulette with your life. I remember, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that. Said I was playing Russian roulette with my life, and if I go, then you know I could die and all this other stuff. And why are you gonna put your life in line for all this crap? Yada yada yada. Um, Bush was the president at the time, so obviously he had like his thoughts and stuff on that. And Bush, Bush one or Bush two? Uh, Bush two. I ain't that old. it's a good level set it's a good level set (laughs) um what was i gonna say um yeah so like you know i I was telling him all this and you know and so then he was just like no like you know you can't do it blah 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 and i was like well no i can't i mean i'm I'm over 18 like i can i can sign up and he was just like you ain't sign up on my watch you know all this other stuff i was like well i mean i kind of already did it like because i told him after i signed up Right. I was like, well, I mean, you can't stop me. You are already signed up. And I said it like that. So, you know, came across the hammer fist. And I was like, oh, how did how did he how did you guys reconcile that? Like, because it, it sounds like obviously he he has some deep seated. Uh, I mean, you yeah, about I tell you, feelings yeah. about the man. Yeah, the feelings, thank you. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. I mean, and a lot of that, com- a lot of that came from what what Rodney was talking about earlier, where you know it's it's that racism that I mean, he experienced a lot of racism coming up in Alabama. Yeah. It was a different time. And like I said, you know, when he was born, you know, he he didn't have civil rights, you know. Um, and a, that is a thought right there. He didn't have civil rights, you know, like, no, I, I actually don't know what that's like. Like, that's. I mean, every it's, time it's I think about that, like that is heavy. It's something yeah. we talk about. I mean, the idea that. I mean, we're a generation removed from it. And most of that generate a lot of that generation is still alive. That I mean, that generation like, is running shit. That's yeah. The, and that's why we can't escape from it, because you know you, we we got a we got a fucking president that you know grew up where like you know he black people were his maids and shit, and it's just like and that was like the best job that we could get. Like he remembers that, you know, mm. when he he's what seventy. He is. So, yeah. Yeah. Like think about when he was twenty years old. What where where were we at as a nation? When he was 20. You a grown so he, man at 20. So it would have been 1948. So he would have been, yeah, 19 years old when, when you know, Jim Crow was, was ended. 
like 19, like his formative years were, yeah. were and, and his dad was, was not a poor man. So, no. you know, hmm. so yeah. you, know, you think about the things that were instilled in him, think about the things that are instilled in you during those years and think about the things that could have, you know, would have been, and could have been instilled in him at that time. And then you look at that track record. Like, I'm not surprised at any of this shit because of how he grew up, when he grew up, and everything that he's done with, you know, his life since then. So, so how did you reconcile that with your dad? He, uh, you know, it, it started with letters, letters from uh, from boot camp, and mm. um, he was he was like my main pen pal, him mm. him and my girlfriend at the time, and so we would, you know. I would just hit him up and tell him everything that was going. I probably wrote him like two or three letters a week. And um, what, was it harder than what you heard her tell, talk about the army? Oh hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't expect him to say no. <laughs> but, nah, man, shoot, they man, they don't pull no punches, figuratively and literally. I got in so many fights. Like it, it, man. A lot of testosterone was boiling. I mean, you bring in all these cats from like all over the all over the uh, the U.S. And man, we had like this. Man, we had like this freaking like 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 swole swole cat like that played Canadian football. Mm. He was, and I'm a pretty big dude, but he was like three times my size. And he and he was our guide. Um and and um and so like so the guides the person that kind of like leads the entire platoon and, and, and boot camp so and you have like the squad leaders um and so like the guides like over the squad leaders the squad leaders are over the individual squads okay and um and i remember um you know so they would fuck with you but and 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 it's kind of like they purposely pick on you and then i realized it's like at the end when one of my drill instructors pulled me aside uh cochran and he was just like yeah, he was like, you know, it's, it's just a game, Jones. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we fuck with you to kind of, like, you know, get you mad so you can, you know, operate. And that's the whole thing. It's just, like, it, it's to stress you out because when you go to war, like, you're going to be fucking stressed out. So you got to be able to, like, think clearly, take orders, be around people that you don't like, and get the job done, even when you're stressed, even when they're on your last nerve type thing. Because, you know, no matter how, no matter how much, like, so-and-so may be like shitting on you in combat like you got to do what so-and-so says or everybody's gonna die mm-hmm. so you just you, know, you got to kind of like detach from it and not make it personal and and I kind of came in like I, I was an angry kid so I, I kind of came in with like a lot of chips on my shoulders so like I was taking everything personal and uh, I had a rough time so I was I was like getting a lot of fights <laughs> and I remember I got in a fight with the guy because um I'm not like a loud person with the so, soul, with the big dude. Yeah, with the big dude, man. So like, That's, I'm not. It sounds like a smart choice. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was it was a very smart choice on my on my end. But um, yeah, we. Uh, so what they do is like we go on the quarter deck and we got to like do, you know, for punishment, like we'd have to do like these random exercises and stuff. Um, especially like in the sand pit where they where they had like these sand fleas and they're basically like mosquitoes that live in the sand. And that sounds horrible. And you and you, we've already determined you love mosquitoes. I know, right? But <laughs> but think think of think of these. If mosquitoes in the south are like fish in a pond, then the sand fleas are motherfucking piranhas. Oh, mm. they come at you in packs. It's like if you if you as soon as you step foot in like a pile of sand, these motherfuckers oh. like rattle up. Like oh, 
they just all over you. And you're doing work. You're doing exercises in that. Yeah, you gotta like do exercises in that. Then motherfuckers they be like, all right, now stand in position of attention. All right, stand still. Oh, all right. Oh my god. Like, they gotta Don't eat move. Too. Don't move. Don't <laughs> they move. gotta <laughs> eat too. <laughs> they gotta eat too. <laughs> Get back. <I'm> like what? <laughs> Get back. <laughs> hey, circle, circle of life, guys. Circle of life. <laughs> so come on, Simba. Um, yeah, so like, so we was doing some shit like that. I remember I was getting pissed off, they, you know, and, they, and so the whole thing is about they want you to get loud because you got to be loud in combat, you know, like shit's firing and stuff like that. Like you got to be able to project, got to be able to talk loud. So like, part of like the training was like to get you pissed off and to get you to scream, to get you to yell. And I guess I wasn't getting loud enough for one of the drill instructors. So they was so they made like all of the fucking squad leaders, uh, myself included, like go through you know some dumb shit in the sand in the sand uh, in the sand pit and. Um, and I guess I still wasn't getting loud. And they're like, well, we going to stay in here until Jones gets loud. And I guess I still, cause I, and I was mad. So I was just kind of like, I was purposely not like saying it, not saying it loud. Like they wanted me to say it. Cause I was like, man, fuck you. And the motherfucking guy got pissed. Cause he was getting eaten alive by these sand fleas. And he fucking charged the shit out of me. And I, it, it was like one of the, it was like literally like testosterone on testosterone. It was like two big gorillas. He was just like, fucking get loud, Jones. And I was like, I'm not fucking loud enough for your ass. And then we just came at each other like fucking like just 200, like 400 pound gorillas. And we just smashed and we were just going at it. And the drills, they just stepped back and they just let us get to it. And then once I started winning, then that's when they started like fucking coming in. Yeah, I won. I won. And then they, they fucking came in, separated it. And then I'm the one that got fucking thrown into a damn chokehold. And I was like, man, ain't some fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. As, I had some thoughts about that, but anyway. I had some thoughts. <laughs> did you eventually? Did you ever get loud enough for them? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I fell in love. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it helps somebody. It's those sand, it's those sand fleas. What, what, what are those thoughts? Uh, um, about you know, just kind of like the chokehold. Oh, the chokehold. Oh, <laughs> I didn't like him anyway. I, I didn't. Uh, a lot of people didn't like him, but you know. It is what it is. Mm. Um, he, uh, you know, yeah. No, no need to go there. Yeah, you know, bald, bald white guy. You know, so I, you know, there was like a perception that I had. I'm not here to say that he was or wasn't. Don't know, but you know, at the time, because you got to think about I me. Mean, it's, I mean, I was. It was heightened um, aggression. You know, mm-hmm. you got <clears throat> you got sixty people in a squad bay. You know packed in tight sleeping on top of each other showering together you know like it's bound to be some you know some 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 punches thrown and yeah some clashes yeah some clashes and then that's and that's including the drill instructors because i mean those like we weren't getting any sleep and those motherfuckers weren't getting any sleep either they was getting less sleep than we were getting so you know it is what it is Mm. so you you served for 12 years yeah yeah, and then you moved to um, Hollywood to be a screenwriter. Like, yeah, what... um, it's so so. I served so act so that's active duty and reserve time kind of combined. So it was twelve okay. years total. I, I didn't get out till till uh, till April. So like this time last year, I, I was deployed, man. Like, I, I had oh, to, for real? Yeah, yeah. This time last year, I was gone. Um, but yeah, but uh, and, and I'll get back to that, but. Um, yeah, uh, I started. Um, so I, you know, I was taking theater and and, and uh, theater arts and drama back in like high school and and uh, my first couple years in college at at UAB, and um, 
so acting was kind of like the first love, the first thing that I really wanted to do. Oh, right. And, uh, you know, there, there was a time where I was just like, you know what, you know, because I, I was out here for a little bit back in like 06, 07 before for some pre-deployment training. And, you know, I was trying to like figure out how to like do this acting thing. Couldn't figure it out. So I was just like, all right, you know what, I'm probably just going to do this military thing in 20 years and call it a day. And um, then I ended up, uh, you know, deploy, came back. I was in Hawaii for, um, you know, because I had attached to the unit there. And so I was in Hawaii ending a couple weeks with uh, President Obama, and so that's what kind of changed everything. And you sp- uh, what is it? What do you, what do you wait? Mean you a spent a couple weeks with President Obama. What? Yeah, he. Uh, so this was after this. This was after the election, before the inauguration, and um, and so we. I think we were like it was like end of November, beginning of December, somewhere in there. And, you know, I was back and I, I was working like night shifts and stuff. So like during the day, like my days were free. So I would work out around like 10 ish, 10, you know, somewhere in there, be at the gym. So one day, you know, I'm at the gym, just on, on the treadmill and stuff, getting it in, watching CNN, got my headphones in, um, you know, every literally every news report was, you know, Obama. So I'm watching, you know, news reports on Obama, blah, 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 blah. And then I do a double take to my right and. Obama is next to me on the trip, <laughs> hopping on, and, and he just like looks at me, and I was like, "Oh, hey," and I'm like, "Huh?" And then I'm like looking, like, "Wait, what? What?" And so I'm like, "All right." So then I look around the whole gym, like they they cleared the gym out. So I guess I was like just so tuned out, like Casper just like cleared out. Michelle, she's in the corner doing curls. Secret Service there at a couple exits. So I'm just like, "Yo, what the fuck is how how is this happening?" So I finish my run, and uh, and then I head out like I. I you know, I was just like, yo, like, oh, my God, I'm next to, you know, President, President-elect Obama. And um, so I go to the basketball court. So I'm in there shooting for a little bit. And I'm in there for about 15, 20 minutes. And then, like, the doors bust open, Secret Service, they go to all the exits. And then, like, a few seconds later, Obama comes in, flanked by, like, two agents. And he's like, yo, Mike, I'll shoot with you. And I was like, uh, yeah. And so he started playing horse. And and then that kind of became the routine for like the next couple of weeks, and um, so we're doing that. And, and why the, didn't they? Why didn't they ask you to they like, leave the gym? Because he's not. They the already guy. knew who he was and that he was a marine. He was good. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you mean like me? Oh yeah. Because yeah, yeah, the base. Yeah, the gym was on base. Oh, it was on base. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Gotcha, yes. Yeah. Gotcha, so, gotcha. so the gym's okay. on base. So like everyone, you know. We're everyone's like checked out. We're good to go and things like that. Right, so, right, right. and you know, and he, you know, he wasn't. He ain't the type that's like, oh, everybody's got to clear out because like you know, God is here. Like he, you know, he's just like a regular dude. So he just kind of was just like, all right, you know, they doing their thing. I'm gonna do my thing. And, and then we ended up playing ball and stuff. And then that led to uh, wait, wait, wait. Did you did you beat him at horse? And can and can you answer that question? because <laughs> it will be public <laughs> uh, well, he, he, he won he, he won he beat me he beat me i did not win every time yeah every time he, he won he's got a he's got a good shot lucky lefty mm-hmm. he's good so what was that what was the you said everything changed after that like what yeah what was he, the impact of that on you i mean because you know we, we would ball and we would talk and things like that. So, you know, for him, he's, he's all about, I, I think it's just like inherent in him. Like he's just all about mentoring. 
mm. and stuff. And, and so he would ask me, like, you know, like what I wanted to do, you know, if I wanted to stay in, in the military for 20 years, like what were my plans that I plan on going back to school, things like that. And you know, I was just kind of like, well, you know, these these are the things I wanted to do. Like I wanted to act and you know, I wanted to like work in the industry and stuff. But, you know, it's kind of impossible. Like I don't know anybody in it. Yada, yada, yada. And that's when he stops me and he's just like, yo, like I'm a black man about to become president. Like nothing's impossible. And, you know, he just kind of like lays out a plan for me as far as like using my GI Bill, which I wasn't really, you know, thinking about using. So, so I went to film school for free. So I ended up coming back once I got out uh, off active duty. I went to film school for free. Um, but, you know, he talked to me about my, you know, benefits, GI Bill, and just really just like not giving up on my dreams, you know, and and hearing that. It's one thing when you hear from like your folks or mm-hmm. your friends or a teacher or a guidance counselor. It's just like, okay, yeah, yeah whatever. You hear that yeah. shit from motherfucking Barack Obama? Like, you do it. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You, you should know, be hard right. pressed not to. Yeah. 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 So, um, and so, yeah. So that, that was like the message that, you know, he gave me. And I was like, all right. And he kind of he gave me like this blueprint and, and what I need to do. And, I, and and, and kind of go back to my dad. Um, so me and my dad, we we went to the inauguration. Um, um, but I mean, I remember like my dad. It meant so much to him because you know he was just like, yo, this is like this is like your million man march. You know what I'm saying? Like for him to remember what it was like not to have those rights back in the day and to be there to see a black man become president and to kind of like see that realization on my dad's face. Me, means the world to me, meant the world to me in that moment. And for me to actually have like spent time and to get that type of, you know, tutelage from Barack Obama and then to see the impact that he had on my dad mm-hmm. just for being who he was, man, like that. That's, that's amazing. That's, yeah. No, that's, you used to have his number. Do you send him your, uh, you send him your writings and be like, hey, can you, can you proofread this? <laughs> I will. It, it is. It is a crazy, you know, to think about, you know, because he's got that deal at Netflix now, um, and, and you know, and I'm writing a show for Netflix, so it's it's kind of cool, you know, to kind of like, you know, look at that, and be like, damn, like, you know, I remember when I when I was just thinking about this, and he was, you know, becoming president, and now we're both at Netflix, so mm. it's it's, it's kind of cool. It's just you know, Man. just oh, that's. A, I mean, that that whole story with your dad. Like that's that's real. Cool. Like it's it's a yeah. Given our work. current political climate, it is uh, it's one of those reminders of what that actually meant, oh. right? Like yeah. you know, yeah. we don't get a lot of reminders of of the historical significance. A lot of people yeah. you know, parse it out politically, what he meant for the black community, whatever it may be. But like that day. Um, so how has the trend, like, it's always one of those things because, you know, everybody's transition out of the military is so different. And how's it been for you, especially going into Hollywood? Like, it's a, it's not necessarily a stable career, right? Like, it's not necessarily easy to, you know, just, you know, go work somewhere and, and kind of have some routine. Like, what, what's that, what's that experience well, been like for you? It's, it's been improbable. I'll say that uh, one of one of my uh, trying tonight. I gotta like I gotta like look at it because I don't want to butcher it, you know. Because I'll flip a few words on it. But uh, there's a quote from Barack Obama that kind of like sums it up uh, for me. 
but it's uh, I never expected to be here. I always knew this journey wasn't probable. I've never been on a journey that wasn't. And, you know, for me, it, it takes a lot of conviction because, like you said, like this, this ain't a nine to five benefits and things like that. I mean, you're literally a private contractor for the most part and you're just jumping from project to project. And sometimes, you know, if you're lucky, the lucky ones, you can just, you know, either find, find one that starts up right after the one that you're on stops. Um, and if you ain't the, one of the lucky ones, like I've been for, for a while, you know, or, you know, before now, um, you get off a project and you can go like two years, you know, without, without finding the next one. So it was, it, you know, it's, it's been, it's, it's a hustle, it's a grind and it takes a lot of conviction to kind of be like, you know, I'm gonna stick it out. Um, but at the end of the day too, like not to say that other cats that have come out here and not, and, and done it and not been able to get traction, not to say that they didn't have conviction because at the end of the day, you got to pay the bills. And, and that was me last year, you know, like uh, it, it got to a point where it was just like, I just couldn't sustain it. And I had to leave. Um, and I was fortunate enough to, you know, have, when you, when you say had to leave, leave what? I, I left I left LA like I like I said oh. earlier I, I deployed you know not not like I mean I kept my house I kept my, my spot here but it was I, I couldn't like do anything here and you know couldn't get a job couldn't find couldn't find a thing and I just went back to doing what I knew best and that was you know mm. being a marine and so I, I took some orders and, and dipped out and I was just fortunate to you know so ever, to have representation at the time so while I was gone they were still like putting me up for for jobs and stuff and I remember I had to like, you know, FaceTime in with uh, my showrunner, uh, Xander, Xander Lehman, who I will, I will go to the ends of the earth for Xander because he, he pulled me out of some, some bad places, what, you know. What is back. a showrunner? I just learned what a showrunner is recently, but I'm sure a lot of people don't know what a showrunner is. I don't. Is. I don't know what a showrunner is. Uh, he's, uh, I mean, he or she, um, they, they're the person that kind of, uh, trying to think of a military term uh they're they're the general of of like a of the squad that is you know tasked with like creating a show for instance so you know you've mm. got you've got writers and they all kind of like rank out whether you know like a like a staff writer would be your private you know story editor it's kind of like your corporal you know um so you know, all the way up to you know you got your eps and things like that so Although it's the show running kind of like who's running the whole thing and they're responsible for getting the scripts out. They're responsible for making sure, you know, we're coming in, uh, you know, at budget. Um, they oversee everything from production to scripts. So it's like, you know, they, it's their show. And, 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 and most times the, the showrunner is the creator of the show. So it's like the person that came up with the concept, the idea, whether it's their life story or just, you know, some cool ideas that they came up with. And, um, and so, you know, and so they're the person that like whose voice this, that the show needs to be and the, whose voice the, the show is. And, you know, and they're guiding us. You know, they, they guide the show in whatever direction that we're going in. So. Um, so so he kept you connected while you were while you were out. No, no, no. He gave me a job while I was out. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, my my. My reps, they're the ones that were still like pushing me for stuff. And, and he read a script of mine um, that eventually uh, went to Sundance for uh, you know, just recently. But, um, but yeah, so he read the script and he loved it. And he was like, hey, you know, like I want you to be on the show. And they wanted to meet with me and I wasn't in town. And I had to like, 
um, at the Skype in on a call with him. And he's just like, yeah. And, and like, and I'm all in like my uniform and stuff like that. And he's just like, yo, like what, where are you? Is that, <laughs> is that a, is that a helicopter behind you? Like, you should have just been on? like, I'm on set. I'm on set. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my reps told him, I'm wrestling. They're like, yo, he's, uh, he's kind of deployed right now, but you know, we think he can be back for the show. Like, and that's because I told him, I was like, yo, look, I'll make it work. And, you know, the guy who I went to wars with, uh, it's my best friend. And, you know, I, I owe, I owe Polanco like my life, man, like that dude, he's been there for me, like thick and thin. And so he knew my situation coming in and he was the one that kind of was like, Hey, look, I know you in the bind. Like, you know, we got this mission coming up, you know, we got to get this shit done. Like, Are you in? I'm like, I'm in. And, um, so, you know, when I told him, I was like, yo, I think I got this writing job on this show. He was like, hey, look, we'll, we'll make it work. We'll, you know, we'll cut your order short and we'll get you back out there. And, you know, wow. Like, how, long were you, how, how long were you um, on the mission? Like, how uh, I, I was gone. I was gone for three months. Okay. But I, I would have been gone for eight, probably eight to ten months had I, had I, not, had I not come back for the show. And, you know, who knows? Who knows at that point? Because then it's just like trying to, like, you know, start back up a, a an old machine, and it's just like you got to pay these bills, man, because things get crazy out here. What's that? Um, like the perception, the experience, whatever it is, leaving a mission early like that, um, like with the with the crew you were with, like how how did that all play out? No, they they were they were they were good to go with it, man. It's like That's cool. you know, uh, I think. Um, a lot of people in, in the military, um, you know, they, they use the military as either a springboard to kind of like help you get to like whatever, you know, the, the next step is. And some cats are like the career, you know, the career cats. So, um, you know, they, uh, you know, and, and everybody like, so I remember like a couple of them, they, they Googled me when I first came in because uh, most of the guys, they were like brand new to me and things like that. So like once little whispers kind of started, they were like, oh, wait, like who's, you know, you know who's, this, who's this guy? And it's like, oh, wait, like you, you got a picture next to, you know, Nathan Fillion and, you know, Ryan Reynolds and stuff like what's going on? So just kind of, you know, uh, they, they thought it was just like cool and stuff. And, and then once I left early to, you know, go right on the show, it's just like a lot of questions about like, you know, like how did you get into it? And I think it's just, it was just, you know, I think it's motivating than um, me not necessarily trying to be like, hey, you know what I'm saying? This is how you do it. But, you know, I think a lot of cats, um, when they're able to kind of see someone do something that they thought was, you know, unreachable or unattainable and just like seeing someone like really grind and, and kind of make it, you know, it's, it's like that old adage, you know, I mean, and riding those where it's just like, you know, you kind of see somebody make it out and you're just like, oh, shit, like it's, it's, it's more motivating than it is like, you know, fuck him. In Hollywood, do you do people want you to write? I don't know if people are asking you to write yet, but in that military background, like kind of typecasting you a little bit because you're, you know, a black oh, man yeah. at the end of the day, right? Uh, and no, Hollywood likes to do that. I know. No, um, actually, that hasn't happened to me. Um, but and, and the crazy thing was, like, that was one of the things that I didn't want to happen. I was just like, look, I do I don't want to be stereotyped as like, you know, the black writer who only, you know, is gonna do like black stories. And I didn't want to be stereotyped as like the military writer who's only gonna do like military stories. So mm. I always felt like I could because I'm a fan of so much stuff, you know, like the the miniseries I'm doing for Netflix. It's uh, 
you know, it's a, it's a Japanese anime. Um, and like, I grew up on, you know, Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon, you know, Bleach, uh, Full Metal Alchemist. Like I blew up, I, I grew up on Gundam Wing. Like I grew up Gundam. on Gundam. Oh, yeah. That was every morning before school. Yes. Man, um, it's a mobile suit. It's a Gundam! <laughs> yeah. Dude, uh, so, like, you know, I'm a fan of that. Michelle, like, like, Kira. Yeah. Like. You know, um, I, you know, my favorite movie is Predator. So, like, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, like, just the genre space and sci-fi. Um, and, you know, so, like, for me, like, I always wanted the projects that I, that I do that kind of represent, you know, everything that I've, you know, watched and loved growing up, you know, and and so like I write everything, and, and that's what I wanted to kind of like have, and 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 I know first starting out, people were just like, oh well, you can't you can't just write everything. You gotta like, you know, be specific. You gotta like zero in on something. Da da da. Like you gotta find your niche, and I'm like, you know, why can't my niche just be everything? Like I want to, I want to be the guy where it's just like, you know, hey, you know, we're doing, you know, we're uh, we're doing. This this you know this particular story like let's let's call Nick Jones you know like yeah no matter what that story is like you can call me because it's like oh he's a good writer not like oh well we need a sci-fi writer we need a genre it's just like oh we need we need a writer oh let's get Nick Jones like, you know and part of why I was writing so many scripts was because I wanted to show that hey I can write all of these different things so I've got a script for every genre every you know um, every tone um, just to kind of be like yo like you know. I think I can't do it. I'll do it. I'm writing this show for Netflix called Yasuke. Um, and it's a story about um, this black samurai whose name was Yasuke, who grew up, uh, you know, back during feudal Japan um, time frame. And he uh, served under uh, this warlord named uh, Oda Nobunaga. And, um, and so, like, the real life story of him, like, he's, he's a real guy, like, you know, he, you know, real historical figure. And the reason why he became this samurai was because this guy, Oda Nobunaga, he um, he had a lot of enemies, and you know, obviously because he was you know trying to take over, and he couldn't trust a lot of people because um, you know they were sending assassins and things like that, spies, all that stuff. And the only person he could trust was this black man who wasn't from wasn't from the uh, the land because you know, and he didn't even speak the language. And he was like, you know what? I know you're not going to try and fuck me over. He's like, you yeah. have no ties here. You're yeah, so... you have no ties here. You ain't got no skin in the game. So, like, I'm going to make you a general. And he made him a, a samurai. So what we're doing is uh, we're going to do, like, this fantastical version of, of, of kind of, like, that story, but set 20 years after the known historical facts of him. And uh, we pick up with, you know, this retired ronin who kind of gets called back in the service to, to transport this this, uh, this young girl. I'm who, already sold. Like, I'm in. Just I'm... Yeah, who these dark want to take out yeah yeah but you know it, sh- it should be dope it should be dope it's you know yeah uh LaShawn thomas he, he's directing from uh from boondocks you know, which is one of my, yeah one of my favorite shows coming up and um and flying lotus is doing the music so i don't know if you guys are flying lotus fans but i don't know flying lotus oh, he's dope. Yeah, oh yeah look him up man he's dope he's dope flying lotus the name's dope yeah. now did you um is this one of those this isn't one of those things you wrote before and got picked up. It's some somebody who had the idea yeah. and said, you know, Nick Jones, I mean, this kind of goes back to the point of writing as much um, 
as many different types of genres that you can and being a good writer and then yeah and nick jones yeah yeah so it was you know it was that nick jones jr yeah yeah (laughs) yes don't forget the junior don't forget (laughs) um um, like yeah like wcf wcf baby don't forget the baby um (laughs) (laughs) um yeah yeah it was it was that and also too um i gotta give credit to um you know the uh the networking and just the the relationship so uh, there was this lady who um uh, ac bradley who uh, who i knew like two years prior and um i went in to meet with her to, to write on this show three below which is a spinoff from this other show and but it's a spinoff from uh troll hunters which is uh, that's out now mm-hmm. on netflix and so i went in to write for three below and i didn't get it and she was just like, yeah, like I read your script, but, you know, yeah, it, it wasn't the right tone for what we want to do. And I was like, yo, well, I can write that tone. And um, and so that's when I started going on that blitzkrieg of like writing all these different scripts and tones and stuff. And so we ended up developing Jurassic World, um, um, this, uh, this Jurassic World project together. Um, and, um, and so she, in, in that process, we kind of reconnected and... Um, so I think they reached out to her and she was like, no, like, you know, I'm, I'm not right for it, but I know somebody who is. And she kind of put me up for the project. That's cool. So, that, so then Netflix reached out to me. Uh, that's how, you know, they got my name. Netflix reached out to me. And um, I got a quick, <laughs> yeah. quick question. Right. So in, in the in the process of writing, like all the kinds of stuff, what's the hardest thing? Like when you because you just mentioned tone, I imagine writing different characters like. What's the thing that allows you to write so many different genres? Is there one thing or is it just for, for me, for me, it's just, you know, my my childhood and just being a fan of so many different things, man. Like I can tell you, I, I was watching everything from, you know, like the Predator, which is my favorite movie to the Lion King, you know, um, and so it's just Lion King last night. Yeah. You know, so it's just like it's just me and. And I have a bit of a photographic memory, so it's just like I, I tend to like hold on to things, uh, you know, information at least when it comes to movies and stuff a lot. And you know, I can recite, you know, actually I can recite every single line of Predator. Wow. Um, but um, but yeah, man, just you know, yeah, my childhood and just just being a fan of of of, of the art. Um, yeah. So you know, so you know all the different tones, and then now you can replicate them. Like you can make them your own in different yeah. stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and and also too, just uh, and, and I would also say, like, what helps with my dialogue anyway when I, when I write, it's just just having lived a life and being around like a bunch of different people. Whether that's yeah. like growing up in the South or being in the military, and it's just like being around cast that are from like West Coast, Midwest, East Coast. You know, now living on the West Coast, you know, traveling the world, it's just I'm, I'm able, I've been able to, you know, experience a lot of different cultures um, and a lot of different people. And, and I'm able to you know, put that into my stories. We um, so we had one of our guests. He's um, he's he, too, is a writer. Mm-hmm. And he we talked about this idea of writing in diversity. Right. Because everybody's default is me. It's really easy. whiteness. Right. Um, Do you find it easier, given everything you just said about your experience, everything that you've done, your background, to not default 
to any one thing no but whether whatever that may be um and giving you that ability to naturally just create a, a diverse landscape of people within all of your scripts i mean or do you have funny. to make it a conscious effort well i mean my default is me you know yeah like i so i grew up in a black household I've got a bunch of sisters uh you know so it's just like my, my default is is always going to be like you know the black experience um but I don't, I don't have any trouble like trying to, you know, tell different stories because like I said, you know, it's just because like you said, the, maybe the industry default is white. And those are like the movies that have kind of like taken the forefront for so many years, you know, leading up to now, um, you know, I was, yeah, I was, um, exposed to that stuff, obviously. Um, but you know, being that, you know, I'm black, I was also exposed to like the stuff that, you know, the general public wasn't exposed to. So like, you know, mm -hmm. whether whether that's you know, whether that's movies like Boomerang or, you know, that everybody probably didn't watch, you know, or if it or if it's T V shows like uh, you know, like Martin or, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Hang on Mr. Cooper, uh you know things like that. Um man, there's there's another one that I want to live in Living Single, which oh, you know, I watched yeah, you know freaking you know uh friday uh you know set it off like just you know all those movies that i grew up you know on and, and just you know just being a part of that you know it's i think there it, it, it's not hard for me because i've seen so much of it and i've been exposed to so much of it that um for me it's just like just rolling through the rolodex at times and she's like hey you know what type of story do i want to tell now you know and is it going to be you know is it going to be this, you know, am I going to have, you know, these, you know, black leads, am I going to have, you know, white leads, it's going to be like co, like, you know, it, you know, for me, it's just like, what, what best suits the story. You know, we always like to ask at the end, if there's one thing that you want to leave our audience with, what, what would that one thing be? Oh, man, that's, that's, I feel like I got to say something in depth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you don't have to. You don't have to. It's obviously a question incited to do so, yeah. but <laughs> you do not have to. I, I, I would say, you know, when when President Obama left office, you know, he told us to be, he he uh, he asked for us to kind of, you know, to uh, to be involved and be engaged in. Um, <clears throat> You know, from 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 every election to mayor, Congress, you know, dog catcher, like whatever the case may be, like to be involved in your community, because it all starts at the grassroots, and um, and that's something that I've tried to to do. Um, there was a guy running for mayor, you know, and I was like, all right, look, I'm, I'm gonna come out here and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a part of this, you know, this speech is with him, um, you know, I just went canvassing. For, for the first time ever in my life, who would have thought that I'd be going door to door, like knocking on people's doors saying like, hey, make sure you get out and vote on Tuesday. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, um, and, you know, just, uh, you know, really, you know, taking that citizenship to heart um, because, you know, we have to make our voices heard in, in order for, you know, there to be, you know, the change that we need and, and the change that we want. Um, so, yeah, so it's just like we just can't sit back and, 
you know, just and think that we don't, you know, our voices doesn't matter, our votes don't matter. Um, 